Malik to Melcham. Gets around. And Melbourne have got another one. Langdon go inside. Fritz has fallen over. It's got out the back. Hit it, Jordan. He converts. Cosie Pickett's going to kick another one here. Just knows how to get forward of the ball and open. Runs around and gets his third. Melbourne go to second place on the ladder. Simon Goodwin would be absolutely delighted. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is Barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hopper and Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim and I am joined each and every week by my co-host, as always, Simo. Mate, how you doing? Mate, I'm flying. I've had a ripping weekend. And mind you, you had a lot of gusto behind that intro. I did. I mean, usually you're pretty good, but <laughs> you gave it a little bit more. You seemed really excited. You must have had a good weekend on here. No, look, what, it has what did you get up to this weekend? <laughs> oh, look, I spent some babysitting. Some quality, some, not babysitting. I said spent some quality time with my daughter all, all Friday and Friday night. Sorry, and and uh, and Saturday and Saturday and Saturday night. And uh, yeah, no, no, it was good. But best, best of all, like. Well, no, don't get me wrong. The best thing is hanging out with Harper. Don't that's that is that is top top of my list. Don't get me wrong. But to start the weekend weekend off right, Friday night with a back to the wall win against Frio in an emphatic fashion where we absolutely pummeled them. And yeah, I, I just mate talk about flying like that was that was amazing. Like I, I went to bed and Penn's like, oh, was it you know game go right? I was like, yeah, yeah, good. Like it was one of those ones where. You know, like you're just really satisfied with the win. It was back to D's footy. Mm. You know, like from the first bounce, you could see what what was going through those players' minds and the intensity and the mindset that they took out out there to their second home and in the Optus Stadium. And yeah, far out. It was just to see a four quarter effort was definitely our most consistent game in a number of weeks. And yeah, if that's anything to go by, what our form's going to be like in the run of finals, mate, pretty bloody excited. That's for sure. Now, well, hopefully we can copy what we did last year, but I suppose the biggest difference between last year and this year, we've got a much harder run in the run home as opposed to what we had last year. I mean, a couple of tough opponents in the last month, but our our last month of footy, I mean, obviously the beautiful win against Freo, now shifting the focus to, you know, Collingwood, Carlton, and also um, Brisbane. I mean, we're going to touch on that, obviously, a little bit later on, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it's... Yeah, it was definitely back to our best footy and that real defensive approach. I think just, you know, you can you know if we're, our pressure's on early. And we've definitely, and I, actually, funnily enough, I posted this. And I was like, you know, D's footy for the second time this year. I don't know why, but I think I was just more so just, just hanging out for that sort of style footy. I mean, we had that against Brisbane. Um, we'll, you know, flat it out against them. And then now Frio, you think if... You know, how much we restricted those two, you know, obviously t- two teams vying for a top four position, you know, two sides that are, you know, threatening to take away, you know, what we're trying to achieve. So, yeah, it was really pleasing. And I, like you, you know, really happy to go to bed with a, you know, nice, comfortable victory and, you know, obviously see that, you know, our best footy, you know, will win against, you know, every side in this competition, I, be- I strongly believe. And obviously Geelong's the one, you know, that's, you know, their best and our best, you know, the, the difference there, you know, could be a close one. You never know. But yeah, no, really exciting. And I think the other big thing we need to really celebrate too, which 
you know, kind of led into the weekend really nicely. It was the extension for Gussie Brayshaw. Um, sort of come out of nowhere, I thought, but a long time coming, but super satisfied to know that he's going to be a demon for life and, um, you know, joins, you know, Petrarca and Oliver and, you know, he even got some midfield minutes. What do you what do you think, mate? It was, yeah, something that really tipped, you know, started the weekend off nicely or it was a Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, it was was yeah. a Thursday. I think it was the yeah before the teams got announced. So no, it was super exciting. Uh, with I suppose the team management and everything with Jackson and Gus being so prevalent in the news recently, like not that not that you'd ever think that Brayshaw was probably really going to leave, but you know lots of reports about him meeting with multiple teams and I suppose just assessing his options and and the interview that he did with uh gary and uh was it gary and tim on tuesday morning um i think it was 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 quite eye-opening i think it was it was kind of refreshingly honest about him sort of all the factors that were playing into it you know position was obviously going to be one thing uh you know where he's going to play his minutes as well too like he, he wasn't taking it lightly and no doubt no doubt he didn't i think at his age now you know 26 this next deal kind of sets him up for the best part of his the remainder of his career really and and could be what's well, a major financial decision so it can set you up for for a lot past footy as well too but yeah it was it was really nice to sort of see that he uh yeah stayed loyal to the club which he probably never really doubted but i think he sort of said like yeah the six-year extension so signed until the end of 2028 which is yeah super super impressive and yeah we'll, we'll love to have him there and, and yeah another another six years of gus and gorney podcast which is which is very important also but i think yeah the fact that he just said six years so i don't have to do it again like i think just the whole rigmarole of uh of being courted and the media reports and you know we're we're already copying that with jackson at the moment but yeah no no very exciting news and yeah you sort of see him you know, reinserted into the midfield first thing on Friday night as a bit of a coaching shake-up. And it was, uh, yeah, sort of definitely reaped the rewards from that as well too. So, no, it's some very exciting news and, and just led into an even better weekend. 100%. And let's go through the next thing. And I think something that we're, you know, we're probably under, under we haven't really spoken a huge deal about. I mean, you know, we talk about some stats and things, but how good's Casey going? They haven't lost. And just the form, I mean, I thought Luke Dunstan was huge. Um, you know, to have the 40 touches, two goals, he was nuts. Um, and look, one bloke that, look, I'm itching for him to get a go. It's just a matter of when we pull the trigger is Jacob Van Royen kicking the five. Um, had a big, I think it might have been the third quarter, he kicked three. Um, yeah, just, just really starting to mould into, you know, some really solid form. And, you know, he's obviously putting a lot of pressure on, um, you know, weeds. Obviously, weeds was a little bit disappointing, but yeah. What's your who else you got there for? Um, you know, standout performances. Yeah, I think JVR is definitely look. He's he's pressing nicely. He's uh yeah developing really well in the VFL, and I, I know a lot of people are itching to get him into the side, yourself included. I don't think it's the right call to bring him in in round twenty one. Uh, you well, know, look at Jack Price. Bowie. Look at I know, Jake Bowie. I know, but I think uh, with Benny Brown still to come to come back in probably uh, if his knee sort of you know gets better I, I think that it's yeah I, I think he's just a play mount Casey for the rest of the year I think he could be pretty good insurance for Luke Jackson like in terms of just being that that sort of versatile player that like yeah okay he's not a he's not a ruckman foremost but he can still 
you know, play forward or back, and he's got the size and the athletic ability to sort of be have have that maybe that second pinch hit ruck that c- could pair with Gorney really well. So maybe that's something that they hold on to for next year as well, not showing all their cards at once. Uh, so you got Disco Turner, who's come back after that facial fracture in his debut. He had the twenty one touches. Tomo, again, like performs really well at VFL level, but. Yeah, when it comes up to AFL, like he's, it was solid against Port Adelaide, but yeah, last week against Dogs, um, Jamara gave too him a bit slow. of a bath as well too. So he had the twenty nine touches. Bedford kicked three goals, uh, and Bowie as well had twenty six touches. Which Bowie is sort of like almost a forgotten man. Like you haven't heard his word in a couple of weeks. You know, haven't heard his name. So sort of forget that he's he's around there because Rivers played a ripping game on Friday night as well too. So he's not in jeopardy of uh, in danger of losing his spot. So. It's it's very hard for them to to get back in. I don't think Bedford gets back in over Melksham. Melksham's still been performing really well, just been doing everything that the team asks of him. So, including pulling down, <laughs> pulling down the Luke Jackson jersey uh, as the as the boys ran up the race, which uh, copped copped a bit of a criticism from the media. But nah, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. What do you think? <laughs> I just think Jake Melksham's a bit of a smartass, and I just think <clears throat> you know that's just the way he is. Um, yeah, not really looking into it much. I mean, no. you know, it's a bit interesting, but no. who knows? So, but and you're talking about Bay, Bay, Bay who? Bay, Bay, <laughs> Bowie. Um, Jaden Hunt's another one that, you know, come back and it was actually a surprise pick to me. I, you know, he was, he's been in okay touch in the twos, but yeah, I thought he was actually really solid. And this kind of is almost starting credit to the boys, but well, let's, yeah, let's just get nice into it. Sort of <laughs> let's get into it. All right. Well, get back into the game. So, um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day. So we want to play our way. Just go after the boys. No, obviously covering the the topic of credit to the boys here, and I think yeah, I mean it was good to see Hunt back in. You know, provide a bit of dash and. You know, labelling these running defenders that have been in and out of the side or, you know, in there for a decent amount of time and then go out for a decent amount of time. I mean, Paul Bowie's in the same sort of position as what, you know, Rivers found himself in, Jaden Hunt's found himself in. Um, Hibbert was obviously injured, but Hibbert's been rock solid. I just think those, you know, those small defenders that, you know, the dashing small defenders are starting to, you know, regather form, especially, I mean, Rivers was back to his just desperate best. I think just... Being back home, I think just will just you know propel him for the rest of the season, and hopefully we're going to get a better input um, from him in the lead home. Um, touching on you know the full team defense, I just think obviously we're back to our best in terms of D's footy. Kept Freo to five goals, which was super super outstanding. Um, what else do you think, mate? I mean, obviously defense was a big one. It was yeah, yeah thirty nine no, points is pretty unheard of. It was massive. It was massive. I think just the way that we sort of touched on it before and even getting back to Hunty as well. So, like, started on the ground, by the way. So, that allowed Gus to start straight in the guts as well too. So, first set of events that Gus has attended all year. Uh, but that also allowed Hunt to play that lockdown role that he really excelled with in the first half of the season. Um, but his form had just dropped off as the season sort of progressed. But, no, it was great to see him. He had a ripping first, uh, ripping chase down tackle in that first half. Uh, sorry, first quarter as well too, which, yeah, like you know the speed that he brings to our game and yeah defensively was just able to sort of bring that intensity as well too which is awesome uh i sort of yeah well we have the the three towers bound down down back now like petty may and lever now they've only played nine games together seven of them we've won 
One of those two losses was against Fremantle in round 11, where Maisie got knocked out within the first 15 minutes of the game and Petty actually got injured. So the one solid loss that we've had with those three playing was against Geelong. Every other game we've won, which I think he kind of... Was it Bulldogs? Was it the Bulldogs instead? Sorry? Was it... No, because Lever didn't the boys play. together against... The... Oh, Lever no, was out. Play. Sorry, yeah. No. So, yeah, I think Petty, we love him here on the pod. Like, he's he's been... We've watched him grow over these last few seasons. I think he's oh, he's just becoming... He's not on the same level as Maisie and Lever, but together as a unit, they are so, so good because Petty's speed... You know, one thing I noticed on Friday night, Pet's speed, his chase, his ability to chase and able to gain meterage on players, like, you know, run down attackers. You wouldn't think that a player of his size could be, you know, sometimes you know, can be that little bit slower, but far out, he, he's got some pace on him, but genuinely a fantastic reader of the ball, can take a contested intercept mark and just really clever with the ball and can lock down. Lockdown defenders, uh, sorry, lockdown forwards as well. Like you saw Josh Bruce uh, had no impact again on the game. Now, look, he's coming back from an ACL, but you know, that's, I think that's the third week in a row. Petty's been able to do that to, um, oh, Josh Bruce, hang on, <laughs> wrong game. Josh Bruce last week, <laughs> Tabiner this week. Uh, yeah, able to have no influence on the game whatsoever. So, yeah, I think that it starts with those three, but it also had that big bind from the whole team as well too. So those guys were really good. I think, yeah, Hibbo again, just you mentioned him before, really solid, 10 intercepts as well too. Like almost our most experienced player, but probably our oldest player on the side. To hold him to 39 points, I think Gary Lyon touched on this after the game. There's a lot of 2021 days back on Friday night and, and for us to sort of, our points against, we averaged 61 points in 2021. And, and yeah, to get back to 39 points is an incredible effort. Even with that last quarter, I said with the inside 50s, I think at, towards the end of the third quarter, Frio had only had 27 inside 50s. It was only the fourth quarter that they had that little that little spoon, that little run on and uh, managed to get a few repeat entries, which <laughs> unfortunately 40 kind of looks like it. Yeah, it's a lower number, but imagine if they got like in the 30s I think that would even kind of elevate our effectiveness as well too. And uh, no, I think that's pretty much it for defensively. I think, yeah, it was just an absolute stranglehold. They they didn't really try to move the ball quickly at all. Every time they tried to switch, we were just so so you know, in sync and moving our zone and they were just never able to find space. It was a bit weird because that's, by them moving it fast, it's probably, yeah, their strength. I mean, Jordan Clark. Hayden Young really, you know, taking the game on. I just don't think we allowed them to do that purely based on pressure and also, you know, there's more attention to attention to detail in terms of, you know, clogging up the middle and just make it, just forcing them to, you know, chip the footy around or even just, you know, blaze down the line, which, you know, obviously plays into Gorney's strengths and, you know, we're able to kill contests, you know, countless times. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really want to touch on my boy, my doppelganger, Jack Viney. He he was at it again, mate. <laughs> he's had a huge game. Um, you know, he's had around the 30 touches. Um, you know, the media, the meters game is now just, you know, dominant. Just the explosive power out of a stoppage just to, you know, just to drive it forward. Um, his tackle pressure just... It, it just excites me just seeing his body in the last two years really start to <clears throat> be solid again. And obviously he had a couple of years where, you know, he couldn't find his best footy and, you know, you know, just 
cruel run with injuries. It's just, you know, just typifies. I mean, to be honest, he's, he's a heartbeat. He's, he's a heart and soul, this team. And I think, you know, when, when players are down, they see what he does and, you know, we'll be able to get behind him. Yeah. He's, he's that true leader that somebody that would would no doubt lead on the field but off the field as well too and I think you watch what he does straight from the first bounce and the intensity that he brings it, it, it does nothing but lift everyone else around him and he's he's done that for a long time as a as a captain and he does that now you know as a as a vice captain but a real leader of that club I think in a game where it was such a wet deck and it was very slippery like the surface on Optus was yeah pretty pretty shoddy he he made them he made it look bloody dry out there some of his some of his gets his uh, his ability to be able to move with the ball and his pickups like you touched on his grand ball gets uh that blind turn that he had you know it was just mate absolute magic and his field kicking is getting better and better and i think clary's um sort of lack of influence due to Aish tagging him did a great job on him uh but I think they spoke about after the game about how Clary's ability to be able to drag Aish sort of away from the ball and really kind of create space for Viner to be able to really charge through those stoppages and clearances because, yeah, like that selflessness that Clary had, instead of trying to win the ball, he was just doing... He knew that the hard tag was on him, so he was just doing everything he could to help his teammates around him. And we saw the dominance of Petrarca and then Viney as well in the middle. Um, Sparrow as well too. Yeah, I think that that sort of accentuated Viney's game. But yeah, it was just a masterclass from him. And, and we've touched on it numerous times this year. Like it's it's easily the best season of his career. He's, he's having an absolute mammoth year. And and again, it's somebody that when you think of Gorn, Petrarca, Oliver, like they're, they're the three that come first. Viney gets the fourth rung all the time. But you, you have games like that and you're like, fuck, like he is, you know, like he's the most intense player in the AFL, is he not? <laughs> Like it's just yeah no nah, be it, <clears throat> yeah he'd be definitely up there and <clears throat> he was the biggest reason you know alongside the other two but I suppose Clary's sacrificial role in terms of obviously been taken out of the game <clears throat> allowed us to get finally a stoppage clearance win in terms of you know head to heads because that's been one of our big downfalls and <clears throat> one of our strengths um, in the center clearances we actually got beaten for a change which was. Probably due to the you know the influence which Clayton Oliver you know, wasn't able to impact, but yeah, to be up twenty six and contested footy, um, obviously you know the call face. I mean, you're not going to lose too many games of footy if you're, you're hammering a side in that aspect because obviously you know that contested footy out to the outside, you know, gets cleaner entries to make it better for our forwards, which yeah, that builds forward cohesion with mid forward. So Gus Brayshaw into the mids was yeah super and. I think he, yeah, what did he get? Like 28 touches, I think, in the end as well, too. It still had a great effect. from, And just having that that extra kind of clean inside 50, that that real sharp, accurate kick to go inside 50 when, when we needed to was uh, was nice. And I'm sure he, he uh, yeah, I'm sure he would have enjoyed being back in there as well, too. But uh, I think it was, who was it who said after the game? Might have been Stafford or somebody like that said there was no... Um, there was no clause in his new contract to say that he had to play in the middle straight away cause, <laughs> because, it, yeah, it's funny the timing on that. But, no, nah, he it was great. It was, um, yeah, I think that third quarter just in himself like sort of took it to another level. You know, he had the nine touches, five inside 50s and another 230-odd metres gained. So, again, like it doesn't matter. And he sort of talked about it when he signed, like the little clip that the club put out. 
he's willing to do anything that the team asks of him. And I think that just shows he's the ultimate teammate. And, and yes, you know, I'm sure Essendon or, um, you know, whoever, like Frio would be offering, you know, you're a solid midfielder. You're playing now. You're playing on ball every game. Doesn't matter. But for him to sort of say, look, that's that doesn't really sway. Uh, yeah, doesn't really sway the uh, the measure of like where I'm going to go. It's just a testament to, to how he feels about the club and, and that he wants to stay in the red and the blue. Yeah, and it's something that we saw, you know, well, during the whole year and even last year, you know, his role to, to move out of the midfield into onto a wing, especially after, you know, 2018, finished third in the Brownlow and had to sort of play a sacrificial role. Um, and I think he's just taken that on board really well. And you saw with Salem going out as well. Um, you know, he went back and, you know, wouldn't have complained. He just, you know, stuck to his guns and then went from there. Um Jackson starting in the ruck too. Um, going forward, just to mix it up and just throw a spanner in the works as well. Jackson normally starts on the on the pine, and um, yeah, I thought he was jumping really well, Jacko, and yeah, obviously, yeah, threw a few spanners in the works, and you know, Sean Darcy, the meathead he is, and um, yeah, he was getting jumped all over, which was great to see, and yeah, which spans to probably Petrarca's game. I thought he was unreal as well. I think. You know, his, his performances in recent last probably three weeks, he's started to stamp his authority on games, probably not so much last week, but um, the Port Adelaide game and this game, he's probably getting back to that real first month of footy to start the season, back to his best, especially with Clary down, he sort of stepped up. I thought Fritter was, you know, he tried to be unselfish. Um, he kicked three goals, but <clears throat> he almost, he could have kicked goal of the year and he passed in board, which I was actually just like, kick the goal, kick the goal, as like I wanted to say it, but Obviously, thought there was a better option inside, and I think it might have been Melksham he went for. Mind you, I actually had Melksham for first goal, and he got burnt three times to start the game, so I was spewing. <laughs> um, also, Spargo, I thought he was actually back to his best in terms of pressure footy. We saw last week, and we touched on it very heavily, zero tackles inside the 450. We had 15, um, which obviously is, you know, could have been due to the conditions, you never know. Um, but also just just the manic pressure to to be real mongrels and make it bloody hard for them to to do anything really. Yeah, no, I think uh, just quickly going back to track, I think his his ability. I think with Gus going in the middle, there there was sort of that less uh, dependence on track to sort of be that dominant force inside as well too, because he, he did manage to sort of float forward a little bit and was able to be that 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 connection between our our mids and our forwards. And and I mean, he had a horrendous set shot, but. I think you see the potential there with his kick to pick it to kick the first goal was, you know, the absolute most perfect kick to pick it running into the lead, into space. Um, just provides that, yeah, that, that extra cog that if Gus is going to play solely in the midfield or, you know, be rotated there a little bit more often, that allows Petrarca to go forward. Yes, okay, his kicking is one thing for goal, but we still know that he's, he is a great field kick as well too. So, no, he's definitely played well. Uh, yeah, Fritter again, just having a really solid season. What, what's that up to now? Was that 43 for the season? 42? Uh, yeah. something around that. He's um, on, get it for you really quickly. He is on 43, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, um, so, super. He, yeah, yeah, massive, massive. Uh, and yeah, just again, just being able to set us, set us up really well. And uh, I mean, Frio were making a bit of a push. I think they got it back to what 22, and then Fritter kicked that absolute pearl from the boundary, that set shot. 
um, from the pocket, you know, left foot just <clears throat> did not move. It was a, yeah, a really important goal for when Frio had a little bit of momentum and, and pretty much probably stopped or squashed any sort of chance of a comeback from them as well too. I just think our ability to be able to use the ball a lot more efficiently as well too. Like Frio over-possessed the ball a lot and they had about 50-odd uh, uncontested possessions more than us. You know, they had a lot more marks than us. But for us to be able to, yeah, still have a, a really sort of good dig at scoring the ball and, and being able to really negate the their influence with the ball and they, they didn't really want to take the game on. And you said that our defense has certainly made them second-guess their thinking, but I think... Yeah, for them to sort of hang on to the ball a lot and cause turnovers, they were kicking along down the line, and yeah, it was just back to just back to D's footy, <laughs> back to D's footy. And, That's uh, probably one to way that. to simplify. <laughs> if we were to say credit to the boys, just D's footy would yeah. cover a lot of things. <laughs> All right, Simo. Well, we've covered the things that we did love about the game, but now it's covered the things that we need to improve on in our next segment. Pretty pissed off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, tough one. I honestly don't have anything. I, I don't. I, nothing. My notes. My notes read nothing. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Zero. the screen. I think you've added a couple of things, but I think we've got been really clutching at straws. Clutching here. at the straws. Well, okay. Well, you've got an AFL footballer who's had one touch in a game. You think surely there's other ways to impact the footy. Sammy Wiedemann, one touch. Um, unfortunately, you've blown your chance, and I hate to say it because I thought you were really. I thought he was really good against the Bulldogs, especially in the first quarter and probably a bit of the second as well, but. <clears throat> he was going, he was flying under the ball. He's, he was not reading the footy very well at all. He was just lucky that Frio players couldn't take an intercept mark. Um, yeah, and our pressure was handy to, you know, to sort of nullify what he was doing. And, you know, obviously Frito and even Malcolm was, you know, super in the, in the air in terms of one-on-one. So, yeah, that's one of my biggest takeaways. And probably the other one is just Frio friends just soaking at everything. <laughs> I think just... <laughs> <clears throat> it's probably the home crowd bias, but like, oh, just get a grip. Like, you wear purple. It's probably one thing. I mean, probably not great to discriminate people wearing purple, but um, yeah, purple dickheads that had no idea what was going on. Um, I think they got a bit hazy. Um, they get called the purple A's. I don't know what was going on there, but yeah, they were complaining about a lot of things. Let's move on. It's the boo factory. Let's move on because, yeah, that's probably the only thing we can really touch on about that. All right, mate. It's that time of the week again. And that time of the week is the Hop-In Underrated Player of the Year Award or the delightful display. What have I done there? I've gone, <laughs> I've gone backwards. But let's kick it off. My one vote, <clears throat> which was someone that I'm very happy to be back in. The best calves in the business goes to Trent Rivers. One vote, I thought he was super. Just his desperation was, um, yeah, great to see. Um, I've been waiting for that all year. And he should never have been out the side. Never. Never. You don't reckon... 
Don't reckon his form dropped off. Never. No, nah, there you go. Although against Freya, he's probably you know, he was probably clutching at the straw with his knee. I think probably he just wasn't. He probably was a bit hampered. I reckon. Yeah, no, fair call, fair call. Uh, my one vote goes to Bailey Fritch. Again, I just think that his work around the fourth half has just been, yeah, really building. And I mean, to consistently have those like two and three goals each week that we can rely on, yeah, as he's up to those forty three now for the for the year. He he is such a dangerous matchup for all teams that can play a lot taller than what he actually is. But also, he's got that speed and pace as well. And we're now, well, we're we're seeing that. Like he's more dynamic as a forward. Like he can score, but he is really intelligent as well. So, and you can always see the last couple of weeks that he is really trying to take on uh, a bit of the unfair heat that he copped the last few weeks about maybe being a bit too selfish. But he's certainly, uh, yeah, he's certainly a really intelligent player and somebody that that our forward line desperately needs. Because yeah, if you think about that, without forty those forty three goals, we'd be still in a lot of trouble in a in a forward line that's not perfect. You've hit the nail on the head. Someone that averages nine and a half touches at 14. Plus, yes, his field kicking is unreal. Um, and then that's why they tried him across halfback early in his career and on the wing. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, two votes for me. It's a bloke that without him or without his partner in crime, we struggle defensively. And Jake Lever, two votes. Just more so having him back in the side, I just think... <clears throat> just the, the the things he does for this football, football club just enable us to to really lock it down. And his voice is just second to none in terms of what he provides um, for especially our defenders and, you know, what's going on up the field. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, we talked about before, the importance of those three keys back there. And, yeah, he certainly certainly is that vocal leader back there and, and, and really drives drives the force and, and sets the tone defensively for, for the entire team as well. Uh, my two votes goes to Gussie Brayshaw. It was hard. Uh, again, a difficult game to give votes to, given the uh, the wide range of players that played extremely well. But I just think that his game, to be able to, again, be so versatile and change his game style, uh, you know, from playing halfback every game this year to then being inserted straight into the guts and still have the impact that he did, I thought was, yeah, was outstanding and, and love to see him back in there. And, and I mean, yeah, it, it provides us again with a different weapon to use as well too. Like, like he, he can honestly play anywhere, but to know that, uh, yeah, that we've got that there that potentially frees up a couple of other players in the middle is uh, really damaging, I think. Yep, good one. I think, well, the next one, my three votes, I'd love to split it between three blokes, but... I had to choose one, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I could have done the three-way split if the rules apply. Um, my three votes goes to Jack Viney. I just don't think I couldn't I couldn't go away with not giving him three votes. I just thought just the way he attacked the footy was just you know un, just second and none. And yeah, he touched on that blind turn slash spin move or whatever the hell that was, and the step through with one hand on the footy that was bloody unreal. And yeah, just made my night to be honest. Honestly, yeah, I don't have anything else to add there. We we gave him a whole heap of love at the start, and yeah, no, he he was amazing and got my three votes as well too. So, uh, all right, so here we are, the leaderboard for the Hop Hen Delightful Display Player of the Year Award in 2022. So at the top we have Jack Viney, who's sitting very comfortably on 37 points, followed closely by not closely, <laughs> followed by Clayton Oliver, who's on 18, Kazai Pickett, and. Gus Brayshaw are both equal third on 17, followed by Langdon and then Sparrow, Langdon on 12, Sparrow and Lever then round out the top five 
on 11 each. So, yeah, it's funny. I was listening to Gus and Gorney the other day and, and about how Gorney gives his votes to, and it made me feel so much better about our votes because they don't. <laughs> he doesn't give votes to uh, yeah, like the big name players. Like in terms of like we have our own opinions about who we want to give votes to and and whatnot. And it's yeah, it's funny to see people sometimes comment when you put up the leaderboard uh, about how certain people might not be up as far as they as they might think that they should be. But yeah, that's uh, no. I think I think we've done pretty well there. But for Vani to have a nineteen point lead <laughs> i think we've got a serious love for the man and we i do. think i do as well um I, you wouldn't have known that you that we have love for him or you have a love for him no me no. <laughs> oh there we go very good very good all right simo well we are the podcast for these fans by these fans and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners and it's now time to hear their thoughts in our next segment fugazi People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the water <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> All right, mate. Talking points from the D's emphatic win on Friday night against the Fremantle Dockers. Mind you, wearing the uh, 3D anchor jersey. I think they've had... Uh, what three losses, three heavy losses in those? So I don't know why they brought those back. But <laughs> it's like it's like us and our indigenous jerseys. I think we went one and two. Yeah, you know. Well, at mm. least we got a win in ours. But anyway, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, who we got first comes from Selena Mason, who says the unsung effort from two of our most senior players in Hibbo and Melky, both hugely important at their respective ends of the ground. Consistent effort from both with some very important outcomes and for the last few weeks as well. And yeah, very much echoes what we've kind of spoken about the last couple of weeks. I think Melksham has been really, really important. Just the little things that he's been doing, I think just adds that value to his spot. And he's at, at the moment, he's keeping Bedford out of the team. Yep, 100%. Next one comes in from Simon C. Um, has a lot of box ticking here, so we'll just run these off. Um, forward pressure back, 100%. Three, kilo, uh, three pillars in defence. Defensive web. Gus in the midfield, Hunt with run across half back. Beast mode. Their best is still the best. It's just if they can deliver it and for, for long enough, time will tell. Yeah, 100%. I think he's hit the nail on the head with all those talking points, which we've labelled on as well. And I think great minds think alike. I mean, it says it in his name as well. Save his mind. <laughs> That's it. Well, Simon, friend of the podcast, and uh, yeah, no, got some solid points there. I like I like the defensive web, and I think it's yeah, it is pretty interesting when you get to see that kind of zoomed out footage as well of how Melbourne set up defensively, and and uh, yeah, it kind of just goes to show all the hard work that they do to sort of making sure that they make life as difficult as possible for teams trying to make their way to the forward fifty. Uh, next one comes from another friend of the podcast, uh, Justin Giuliano. Uh, Defensive intensity was there for most of the game. You could see it and feel it. Where has it been? Was it the plan all along to time our run? Do we need the last week to remind ourselves of the importance? If we can maintain that, like what we did versus the Lions, we are in with a big chance. And I think, yeah, Justin's, again, look, kind of our best footy can beat anyone. And I think he's got a point there about timing it perfectly. And, and you touched on it earlier as well, too, the significance of how we played now leading up to the end of the year, parallel to what we did last year as well. So when hopefully we can see this sort of sustained uh, su- success and uh, us to be able to deliver a consistent four-quarter effort like what we did 
uh, on Friday night because it was it was definitely our best game since Brisbane and and you can't expect teams to do that week in week out for 23 rounds it's just it's not uh, not sustainable so no I think that hopefully that the coaches they, they know exactly what they're doing and it's, it's all part of the greater plan yeah exactly I mean I suppose Goody's obviously got a little few tricks in the bag in terms of obviously positional changes is probably the one you know obviously we've got a pretty strong system when it's up and running so yeah, I mean, we saw some play uh, cards played and, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot more cards to be played and, you know, to reshuffle the plans of other teams, I think that's going to be really interesting in the run home. Next one comes in from Peter Robertson. How important is Petty to this team? I think, Tim, you've you've labelled on him enough, labelled on him enough. I think he's probably the next badge for you by the sound of it. Um, I think you probably got to get that one on, <laughs> on Friday night, I think. Yeah, I mean, the hard the hard thing with me, I mean, I've got to, I feel like I've got to get the Trent Rivers. I think Trent Rivers has to be my next one, or even Jimmy Jordan's probably one that's a little floating around a little bit. Um, you know, he's probably one that hasn't really been spoken about much. He's doing well on the wing as well. So, yeah, <clears throat> we've got these young blokes that are playing their role really well. And, you know, if these, you know, they're, they're just playing a role. And I think Petty plays his role super and, you know, he does his best, best work when, Lever and Mayer in the side, and by him locking down one of the key pillars, it enables um, those two boys to intercept. So, yeah, 100%. Petty's very important to our team. I think the scariest thing is that Petty is 22. And you think about most key pillar players, I, I think Harris Andrews is probably one of those ones that really kind of blossomed early uh, in his career. And, you know, mm. wouldn't say he's stagnated, but he was, he was quite young, like when he was in all Australian contention a few years ago, right? But Petty to be 22 years old and sort of be the size that he is and, and his strength and his pace. And I think the maturity of him as a player would have only been in the system four years, uh, like in the AFL system, that is. I think that, yeah, he's he's showing the poise of a much more seasoned player than his age. Like even you look at him, you know, the moustache and everything like that, you wouldn't pick for him to be 22 years old it's uh it certainly makes me feel old when you look at him and think shit he's 32 and um yeah you know, i'm 11 years older than him and so i was born well, born yeah 10 years well i was turning 23 this year so even still but no nah, love him uh yeah huge huge uh huge factor of this club and yeah really crucial to our back line uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit we understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing but we also want to just take it you know one week at a time and, and coaches say that a lot and people and it's just the reality you can't look too far ahead right mate it is that time of the week my favorite time of the week and that is one week at a time but with a bit of a flavor um who we got there <laughs> mate we've come in we've got a special guest into uh the favorite segment who we got oh we do we do we got good friend of the podcast quinn from pressure point mate how you going uh fresh off coming back from the Tigers, incredible comeback victory against Brisbane this afternoon, mate. You, you just must be on an absolute high at the moment because you, like you mentioned before, you had no right to win that game. No, I tell you why. During the second quarter, 42 points down, I, I contemplated leaving. I thought this is going to be a miserable day. The rain's setting in. I thought, no, I'll stick it out, see how we go. And yeah, it just pulled off a massive win. I'm over the moon. And we've done you boys a favour as well by knocking Brisbane out of the top four and keeping them keeping them at bay. So absolutely, yeah, stoked at the moment. We had what, Adelaide knocking off Carlton, which is also 
also good for us, not good for not good for Carlton. How's Marcus feeling after that, Nick Quinn? <laughs> yeah, I went over to his place last night, watched the game with him, and it was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't talk to him too much. I I just. I leave him be when he's in that kind of a mood. It was. Yeah, I mean, they, they played some average football. They've been a good side all year, I think. The Blues and they just. I don't know. They went up to it last night for whatever reason, and it's crazy to think that a couple of weeks ago they were pushing top four, and now they're on the verge of dipping out of the eight, even if they lose their next three. And they've got a tough run home with you boys. I know at one point they've got Brisbane at the Gabba and then Collingwood who can't seem to lose a game at the moment. So, yeah, it's uh, wild the way the season is shaping up. Yeah, so well, looking at the run home, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, we look at what we did last year, as in the Ds, you know, sitting prior to last round, we'll sit in pretty similar spot. Um, one less win than last year, but also, you know, Backs kind of against the walls, thinking, you know, Bulldogs are probably the premiership favourite at the time. Now it's Geelong. You know, or can you see a different – or can you see something different happening? Like, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think I think now, like, the Cats have just been so dominant as well that, like, you, you almost look at them as obviously the premiership favourites at, at this stage. But it wasn't that long ago that Melbourne were 10 and zip and everyone was talking about them being this unstoppable monster. And I honestly – it's you get them at the G on a in a final. I just I don't see many teams beating Melbourne and Geelong being you know famously choking games of finals. You know especially deep in the finals as well. It's I'm not I wouldn't be putting all my money on the Cats just yet. I still think Melbourne is sort of up there for my favourites at this stage. Just because yeah, it's like playing them in a final at the G is dangerous. And when they're up and about at their best, which I think you guys in the last couple of weeks have sort of started to find that form again. Um, it's looking scary. Yeah, I think it's that. Well, our best footy, in my opinion, is that real defensive, like mongrel bastard type of brand, which, you know, which really restricts and strangleholds teams. Like you look at probably the two biggest ones that stand out for me this year is against uh, Frio and Brisbane, keeping them both under you know, around the 60 points. Obviously, Frio only 39 with five goals. So you think if we're able to bring anywhere near that type of football, you know, who's going to be able to, you know, put push us away from. Now getting the victory. Well, that's the thing, and for, he did it over in, in WA as well, which not many teams tend, um, tend to be able to do, which I think is impressive in itself. And you know, a couple of games at the G, like I said, I just yeah, I think it's going to be too hard to stop you guys once you get that defensive game up and going. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think the next three weeks are going to be well, obviously telling, but it's just going to be if we see a repeat performance of what happened on Friday night where you saw the Ds come out just absolutely switched on. Like they they use that word ruthless, like Track used it during the week and he used it on post-game Friday night as well too. And you could you could tell it was a theme throughout the week and it was something that they that they came out ready to stamp into that ground. And and yeah, like the home away from home, they obviously got some fond memories there and they came out and made it their own again. And Frio, like for another time this year, have also fallen over in the in the wet weather as well. So I think like if you look at the D's run home there, so we've got Pies next week who, yeah, unbelievably rattled off 10 in a row. Uh, Carlton and Brisbane, three huge blockbuster games, especially two at the G with the Pies and Carlton and then finishing off at Brisbane back up at the Gabba. I mean, I honestly thought Collingwood was due to drop drop one this week and probably the previous week as well too, but they just seem to be, uh, yeah, just being able to squeeze, squeeze away wins. And I'm trying to think now... I wonder how many seasons there's been where there's been three separate teams that have had 10 game winning streaks. Like us, first half of the season, and then you've got Geelong and now Collingwood. Both won 10 in a row. So that's three over the season. Like, I wonder if that's happened before. Wild. It can't. It can't have happened, can it? I think this has to be an absolute rarity in sort of history. 
you know, before our eyes, you know, it's it's wild to think that, yeah, three teams have had a 10-game winning streak. It's unheard of. It's crazy you guys haven't crossed over in those 10-game periods as well. So. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. It's, you know, what Geelong saw us, what was it, round 18 and uh, 18, 19. And then, um, yeah, Pies got us at Queen's birthday. So it'll be, yeah, a couple of big games there. And then if you look look ahead there as well too. So, I mean, Simo, I don't know about you. How, how are you feeling about those last three? It, like, I'd like to pencil in two of those. If we were, if we were to drop one, who do you think that that would most likely come across? I'd probably say Brisbane at the Gabba at this stage. I mean, uh, it's I don't know, it's a hard one because I don't think we actually play at the Gabba very well. I think, you know, recent history, they usually have the, the wood over us. Um, I mean, the other games, they're all danger games, obviously. Whatever game, you know, is not going to be easy on the run home. It's, you know, Collingwood's had the wood over us. Um, Carlton's a bit unpredictable. They beat us in the preseason. So, I mean, if you're looking based on, you know, recent form, two sides have their wood over us. But, I mean, you saw what we did against Brisbane. So, uh, it, it's a, it's going to be, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on it because, I mean, you can't really predict the future. But I suppose, you know, this reason why it's called one week at a time, we're looking at one week at a time. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just can't stand Collingwood. Um, seeing them win, was it nine and one under two goals this year? They're fucking due. <laughs> I'm, I'm fuming <laughs> about Collingwood. So, yeah, I reckon you're probably the same, Quinn. What do you reckon? Yeah, it, it makes you wonder if they're, any, if they're actually any good or not because they're just scraping by, even against teams at, at, towards the bottom end of the ladder and only just getting over the line. It's like, are they just lucky or at this point is it a skill learning to win close games like this? But I think I agree with you in the sense that on paper, the, the only game that looks like it'll give you guys a real shake would be Brisbane at the Gabba. Um, but in saying that, like you said before, Tim, all blockbuster games, I mean... And, I know if Carlton play their best footy, like especially with their forward line, they're a really hard team to stop. It's just that they find their best footy. They're probably a little bit on that inconsistent side at the moment, but you just never know. But yeah, on paper, you'd have to say Brisbane at the Gabba is probably the biggest challenge. Probably playing, but at the right time too, Carlton. Like it's odd not to play a team up until round 22 as well. So like mm-hmm. the, fact, the, the way the fixtures work this year and Carlton having a great momentum and, and really good start of the year and sort of been a little bit up and down recently, but, you know, have really brought a, a really appealing style of footy, as, as Marcus would know, and then just watching them sort of being unlocked and a little bit playing with that bit more freedom with with predominantly the same list as what they've had for the last three years. And it's been really exciting for their supporters. But, yeah, it's been that game that we've sort of been waiting for almost because we want to see where they match up against each other, with, especially with their forward line as well with... You know, Mackay and Kerno, I'd like to sort of see how they'd go against with our, with our sort of our number one foray of our game, and that's our defence. So to see how they match up with Medi, uh, Petty, May, and Lever, who at the moment we are, uh, yeah, what seven and nine, seven out of nine, sorry, with those three in the side, and and yeah, we play our best footy with those three key backs in there. So it'd be interesting to see how we uh, how we match up with those. Yeah. I would say it'd be a massive challenge, but the Blues fans are still holding on to their preseason win against you guys. So it's almost a bit of payback, I reckon, come this time around, uh, get them in the home and away season. That's exactly what I've been telling my partner all year. She said, well, we've been together for five years, and she said, oh, we finally knocked you off. I'm like, well, it actually didn't count, to be fair. So, you know, it's going to be red hot come round 22. It's interesting how you say, um, Tim, you're touching base on, 
you know, Colin, uh, Carlton's forward line is probably their strongest point, and our defense is our strongest point. Then you look at the forwards and backs; it's a weird one because defense is probably Carlton's weakest point, and the forwards are probably our weakest point. You know, which will pose a pretty interesting contest. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think. Uh, well, our forward line, we've just sort of been able to make do with whatever we've had and it hasn't been, yeah, the most cohesive unit and it's still something that, that they're working on finding the best mix and like Wiedemann, I mean, in the wet would have been tough. It was it was a pretty slippery pill and, and, a, and a, yeah, a very wet deck out there on Friday night. But yeah, he didn't look anywhere near it and and Ben Brown, who looks to come in against Pies to sort of see what he's got for those last couple of weeks and see how he's building into form for the last, uh, yeah, remaining rounds heading into the final. So, Again, it'll be, yeah, I suppose who can make the most of their opportunities and, and hopefully for us that we can kind of just dig our heels in defensively and we know that, you know, even with repeat entries like as we did on really at, at parts of the game on even in the last quarter against Freo where they, I think in the last quarter they had 10 uh, straight inside 50s, um, you know, which I think they ended up with 40 in total. But it was uh, like one of the brief moments in the game where, you know, our defence is just able to, to lock up and, and be able to just repel the ball back out. I mean, it was pinballing in and out of there a lot. But, yeah, hopefully just played to our strengths in that there. So, I think if we look at it, like, Cats have got top spot stitched up. Like, I'd be shocked if they lost one of those three games here. So, let's let's assume that they win those three. Uh, I think that, well, with us, if we're looking at the ladder as we stand now. So, let's have a, let's have a quick look at the ladder. So, Geelong, game clear on top, 60 points. And then Melbourne, Collingwood uh, tied on 56. So that's probably where... And then you've got Sydney, another game behind that. So if you look at those three games, I mean, I'd like to think that these are a pretty good lock to finish top two, even if we win two out of the three. And then, I don't know, Collingwood, Sydney, and then Brisbane are all... Uh, sorry, Collingwood on 56, Sydney and Brisbane on 52. I wonder if there's going to be much movement in between there. What do you boys think? I honestly reckon we probably win... Let's say give or take two or three out of our finish, probably most likely. If we win two, we're probably looking at a home final. Um, finish to second. I reckon <clears throat> at this stage, I reckon we play Sydney. I reckon we, I reckon Sydney finishes third, but the, they won't lose on the run home. Um, and they'll leapfrog Collingwood. Um, and it's probably a toss up between Collingwood and Brisbane, probably for that fourth spot. Uh, judging on their other other results, because obviously with. Brisbane's run home of Carlton, um, St Kilda and us. I mean, again, that's you know, it's three sides vying for a top eight position. So their their run home's a bit tricky as well. Um, but that's probably your, your definite top five, I reckon. And then Freo and Carlton are just sort of obviously wheels are falling off to a degree, but you know, you can't count them out. What do you reckon, Mark uh, Quinn? Yeah, I'm probably a little bit the same. I think Collingwood are the one that fall out. I'm looking at their last three games now. Obviously, they got yeah, the D's, the Swans, and then Carlton on that last round. And at this stage, Carlton could be playing to make finals in that last game of the year. If they lose their next two, that last game of the year with them could honestly be to play finals. So it's not going to be an easy one. I reckon they'll drop out and Brisbane will finish in that fourth spot. Swans third, you guys second, and Geelong will yeah, keep that top spot with their last three games. Yeah. Sydney, Sydney's the scary one for me, I think. I think they're still like... They're that sort of smoky dark horse that have that have still got these young a mixture of young exciting talent and also the experienced vets as well in your Parkers and buddies and yeah I I think they're just sort of flying under the radar a little bit maybe to Victorian clubs and and given that they're now at the end of the round that they're sitting fourth uh, 
Yeah, with a pretty good percentage as well too. Like you look at them in Brisbane, like they've got you know almost well they've got twenty odd percentage points across from uh, from Collingwood. So as you said, Queen, like you think that Collingwood's probably the most likely one to drop out. They have to lose at some point in the next three weeks. Like you, I don't know. You'd probably want to if you're a Collingwood fan, wouldn't you? Heading into the finals, unless you think that that momentum is going to keep going. But as you mentioned, if they just keep scraping by, how much of that is actually uh, yeah, execution and how much of that is just pure luck? Yeah, it's it's a weird question because after a point, they've like, won 10 now and how many of those have been with any kick? So you start to think, are they just good enough to hold on to these close games? It's like Richmond, we've been the complete opposite. So we've had how many close games this year? Today was the only one we've actually managed to win. So it's, you know, if we had won a few of those, we could be talking about us being potentially top four. So it's crazy how it all works out. But yeah, I think it's, it's you're due for a loss after 10 wins in a row, aren't you? I mean, if Melbourne can't even win, you know, keep, keep going after their 10 in a row, surely Collingwood won't do it because I think Melbourne are a much better side. Gonna be interesting on the run home. Where about, where about your boys? Do you think with your run home, you could squeeze in? Obviously, you've got the. Port Adelaide, Hawthorne, Don, you'd like to think you'd probably go in favourite at all three of those. Yeah, you'd think so. For me, Port in Adelaide is the, is the scary one. Um, it's We've actually had a good run over there record-wise, but Port are in good form at the moment and we're so up and down. I don't know what to believe when we start when we start a game, to be honest with you. But yeah, I think, I reckon we can win three of our, or all three of our next um, few games and just squeeze in. We need a few results to go away with um, Bulldogs, St Kilda, even Carlton now, um, if they lose their next three, it helps us a lot too. So it'll be interesting. Um, I think if we make it and if Dustin Martin can shake off that hamstring, we, we could do a little bit of damage, maybe win a game if we played finals. But yeah, it's going to be tough. I think if we can get through Port this weekend, then I'll be pretty confident that we'll just squeeze in and maybe finish eighth. Yeah, it's a lot. it'll be a really interesting sort of finish up for, for that eighth spot as well too. Like even the doggies who... You know, played a, a ripping half of footy last night and then, uh, yeah, copped, copped an absolute barrage of uh, goals from, from Geelong, which, you know, Melbourne fans know, know what that's like. Round 23 last year, piling on eight to none in the, in the third quarter because I'm sure we're all supporting the doggies and trying to get them on to, uh, trying to get them to beat Geelong, especially down there. It would have been, would have been nice as well, too. But, I don't know. Like Geelong are just looking, they are looking really sharp at the moment. And I don't know if there's much of a difference between the sides from this year and last year as well too. I think, I think they are a little bit sharper and I think they probably would have learned, you'd like to think that they'd learned a bit from our loss. Uh, well, from both losses, from around 23, but also, you know, the preliminary final loss as well too. And I think they, credit to them, they're, they're definitely the favourites for the flag. But as, as I've mentioned earlier, like D's footy, best, our best footy can beat anyone and we can beat... Geelong, I think Frio, I, I think Frio are done. I don't think they're going to make much of an impact in the finals unless they get a home final and it's draw. I don't think they're going to do too much at all. I think they, they seem pretty um, pretty dejected after that as well too. Uh, they just they can't score the ball. Well, they couldn't against us, but they just have a really issue scoring at the moment. I think the biggest difference with Geelong is the you know the inclusion or the, the rise of Brad Close and also Stengel. I reckon that's probably... The biggest difference in their side, they've got zippy, you know, pressure forwards that are keeping the ball in a lot, eat a lot better. Like I know, I know when we played them in the prelim, we'll just most we'll doing what we wanted to be honest. And I think they <clears throat> they searched for what they actually needed, and I think that was the biggest thing. And I just think they're they're a bit more healthier, I suppose, at this point in the season compared to last year. I mean, 
probably minus Stanley. Stanley's probably their big one that's, you know, hovering around and out. But also the rise of um, Blixarbs is giving them a big push to, um, you know, to, oh, he, you know, he's gone to Cripps, he's gone to Petrarca, Oliver, he's nullified those players. Um, and you look at the result that they got from it. Yeah, they've been, I think those minor changes are all they really need. And like you said, I, I wonder how long their old bodies can hold up through a full season. They haven't really had many games with the rest of these guys purely to rest them. Um, I wonder how deep they're going to go into finals with these old bodies that are sort of, you know, 30, what, 33, 34, 35, even some of these blokes. Um, and like I said before, their finals history is just, they've gotten so close, but they just can't seem to go all the way. And it's it's kind of all or nothing this year, you'd have to imagine. So it's a mixture of they're going to push real hard because they know it's kind of, if they don't do it this year, well, how many years can they keep competing for? But it's also their history, the age of these guys. Can they keep competing? Like for Melbourne, for example, a good mixture, I think, of like a lot of youth. And you, you're sort of around that middle of the age bracket, like a lot of 25, 26-year-olds that are prime, like Petrarca, Oliver. These guys aren't old, but they're not young either. They're perfect age to sort of compete. So it's going to be a real tough race. Um, and... I tell you what, I know I'm talking a bit ahead now, but if it was a Melbourne-Geelong grand final, I reckon we'd be in for a ripping game of footy. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely would be. I think, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be one of the biggest biggest for a while. Like you'd, you'd imagine that if Melbourne Doggies was played in, Mel- in, in Melbourne last year, it would have been, yeah, one of the all-time biggest crowds, no doubt as well too, for, especially for Melbourne fans to get out there. And it was nice to hear Petrarca also talk about uh, after the game as well that they've obviously spoken about the want to be able to play in a premiership or in a grand final in front of Melbourne fans, like their desire to do that is something that's really driving them this year as well. So they're using that for that inspiration. So, cause I think you, you think about how good he always preaches, you know, Simo one week at a time and respecting your opponent, but it's that, that goal, that ultimate goal is still to be there on that last day of September and holding the cup and, and for Melbourne, for wanting to do it in front of their home fans again is I think it, it sounds like that they're, they're they're really inspired and really driven to do that and it's no doubt it's hard to do back to back and it's the amount of criticism that I suppose we've copped after a week it's funny how like the things just you know topsy turvy media just they're so they're so quick to flick the switch on a on a team and and we've mentioned like They've got this absolute love affair with Geelong at the moment, and that's fine. We, you know, more than happy for them to have that. They can have all the expectations, and uh, we'll happily just uh, coast under the radar. Um, but then you hear, watch us play on Friday night, and you see how they respond to that. It's yeah, it's amazing the um, the backflips that they do, and uh, it just it'd be interesting to read the papers a week prior to that and see what they're writing and see how they marry up. Suppose uh, probably another question for you, Quinn. Too, what's your um, predictions in terms of you know something left of field predictions for the run home? You know who's gonna you know put announce himself as an extra premiership contender? What do you reckon? Oh, it's uh, it's a real tough one. Um, I think, like Tim said earlier, Sydney are a real smoky. I think if they can find some good form, Buddy plays like some seriously good footy. I mean, how many years does he have left? Honestly, he's got to take his chances now. They're up and about. And if they get the double chance as well, they're going to be a real dangerous one. I think if you're looking outside of Geelong and Melbourne um, as premiership sort of contenders, I think Sydney have to be that next one. They can play at the G, um, unlike some other teams like, you know, Freo struggle, Brisbane struggle. 
I don't really consider them that much of a threat. I mean, if they can't, yeah, if you can't win at the G, you, you're not really going to have much chance of winning a grand final against a side that plays the G really well. Um, but Sydney can, and I think Sydney will be that, so well, can be that um, smoky underdog that just clinched their way through. Yeah, and I've said this for most of the season. I even saw it last year where they challenged us and we only beat them by, I think, nine points. Um, yeah, I just think just the way they play is very similar to us. You know, it's a high-pressure brawl. Not so much this year, but a high-pressure brand, which, you know, make teams crumble. And, you know, they put a bit of speed on the ball and their rapid rise of, you know, the Blakeys, the um, Chad Warner more so. He's been absolutely super. So you just think, you know, I mean, and they knocked us off this year as well. And, you know, you, you know what could happen, you know, come finals time? I mean, it's actually an interesting stat because I think Sydney at night, they've lost – most of their game or their win loss at night is not great. But then I don't think they might, I don't think they've lost during the day as well. I think <laughs> interesting stat, but yeah, their Saturday afternoon record, they just pants sides. I mean, you saw them, what they did against the Giants and you just think, you know, they look bloody slick, don't they? Grand final Saturday afternoon, it could be dangerous if you face them. Yeah, because it's a, it's funny because Melbourne have played seventeen night games. Or well, by the end of the season, it would have been seventeen night games. So we wouldn't even know what a red footy looks like yeah. at this stage. <laughs> it's crazy to think, isn't it? It's crazy to think that we played so much night games. Uh, all right, well, quickly before we finish up, Bulldogs just like sitting tenth at the moment. Are you giving them a chance to make the eight at all? Like they're they're four points out from Saints at the moment and two points behind Richmond. Given what we saw first half of last night, which seemed pretty promising for half of half a game of footy and what they did to us last week, do you think if they make the eight, can they make any noise at all? Or they you think they're pretty much done as well too? I think I think they can definitely make the eight. Um, I mean, the form that I've seen the last couple of weeks obviously just managed to knock you guys off. And first half last night, or yeah, the other night against uh, the Cats, I think, them losing the way they did was more of a testament to how good the Cats are and less how bad the Bulldogs have been. Um, I reckon they can squeeze in, finish eighth. Depends who they play and where they play. They could potentially win the game, but I don't see them contending like they did in 2016, finishing eighth and winning the flag. I don't see them being that good, but I definitely can see them contending. And Jamari Hagen just seems to be able to, after that you know, breakout game, if that's what you want to call it, a couple of weeks ago, last week, whenever it was, he's just got so much more confidence now. Um, so who knows I think they can win a final but I don't see them doing much more than that I was telling Simo last week Quinn that <laughs> we're talking about Jamaro's game and I said that the D's had this like unfortunate knack of always having rising star nominees play against Melbourne like they would always like first gamers or like you know in their first or second season and we we're just chatting about that and then I couldn't believe come Monday rising star nomination as <laughs> bloody Jamara. There it is. The curse no, is back again. <laughs> Unreal. But back in the day it probably made probably made a bit of sense back in the day to play debutants against Melbourne, but interesting choice. I mean not that he was a debutant, but yeah, no, interesting uh, that he managed to get up against you guys with your back line as well. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely did it did it in all areas of the ground, which is uh yeah, pretty impressive and you can see why why they rate him so highly as well too. Easy, mate. All right. Or well, any last any last thoughts, Sim, Quinn? Ra- I suppose. Well, <clears throat> well, I've got to finish this segment. So, obviously, this week coming up against the Pies, um, you know, it's a big game. Oh, obviously, every game in the lead-up is massive. Um, you think the key areas is probably, 
you know, one and loss, probably midfield, the clearance battle. And you saw last time, we, just to be honest, we just looked like we're kicking a Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox. And, you know, Darcy Moore, they were intercepting everything. You just think, you know, if we get the forward line, you know, mixed right, you know, there's a result could go our way. It's, it's also, you know, um, Clayton Oliver getting back to his best form, you know, shaking off that hand injury could be another big one. Does Petrarca Viney stand up like they have in the last few weeks? Like, you know, it's going to be an interesting battle. Does Ben Brown come back in the side? And, you know, well, obviously, Wiedemann only had one touch. Mind you, 100% effectiveness, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, or does, you know, Jacob Van Royen come in for a debut? But the, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the timing for a key position, 19-year-old, but, you know, he's coming off five goals in the VFL, being ripping touch um, during the year. You know, could, could that be a left to centre inclusion? That's if Ben Brown doesn't get up. I mean, he can go in the ruck as well. So, yeah, I don't know. My prediction is probably, the, I hate to say it, D's in a close one. I just think there's the, the way that Collingwood have played, I think they're due for a close loss. There you go. I reckon D's by 10. Yeah. All right, Queen, I'll leave this, leave this one with you and then I'll finish it off. Yeah, I reckon ooh, I reckon D's, but I don't, I don't think it'll be close. I reckon D's are going to make a real statement here against the Pies and sort of, Bring him down a peg. I think if it's a close game, Colin would get the job done. I just can't seem to lose him. But I, I reckon Dees might make a bit of a statement here against the Pies. Just watch your tackles against Jack Ginnivan because he, you know, has had a slip, yeah, slip down a little bit. So if someone wants to knock him out. That'd be nice too. But yeah, no, I think I think Dees by, <laughs> I reckon Dees by about twenty five thirty. Not not too big of a margin, but definitely enough that it's comfortable. Um, do you, well, before I'll let, before you talk, Tim, um, why don't you share with um, with Quinn what Petrarca actually said to uh, Jack Kinnivan, uh last time they played? Well, I can't. Do you remember well, what he said? You, you talked about last week. Well, yeah, last week was before. I don't think I'm, I won't actually say the word on on air because it, it did start with a C and ended with a T, and it's not cat. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly can't remember exactly what he said, but yeah, I, I was going to bring up that you know he got a couple of players that, that don't have a lot of love for him, but yeah, he'll be he'll be certainly one to stop. Regardless, I think that the umpires now will be well on well informed to sort of make sure that they give him at least one or two frees, whether they're there or not. I think now and and given his admission that it, that all the all the noise is now sort of taking a bit of a toll on his mental health and. And uh, you know, make sure that you look after people in the game, and and the game's got a duty of care to do that. But he's certainly going to be an important factor for them. Uh, you know, what he kicked three goals last week as well too. So, no, I yeah. Getting back to your question, Sim, I, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what the uh, vein of it was. And I, Gorney said he was just a bit grumpy, and I think he had a few words with him. But I, I think you're right, Quinn. I think I think we need to come out, and if we're on like we were on Friday night, we should. We should pants them. Um, they're a good side, but they've. I think the last few weeks just being able to scrape through. I think if we play with that same intensity, uh, and it doesn't matter if they tag track or they tag Oliver. Like you saw what happened there with Viney, just absolutely led from the front, and and his intensity and and real mongrel bastard that he leads with is uh, is very hard to stop. And if they've got Taylor Adams out and uh, potentially Jeremy Howe as well, too, there's a couple of key cogs for them defensively as well too, and in the midfield. So. I could see us, yeah, either five, six goal win as long as we get a good start. I, I would say so. Gonna be a ripper game. It's uh, yeah, a, a game that I don't like to attend just just by the pure atmosphere of 
of that I still have these yeah nightmares of uh, 2017. I fucking hate hearing that. What's, what's your take, Quinn? Do you hate hearing that Collingwood chant? Everything about it just makes me angry. I have nightmares of me sitting at the G of the 2018 elimination, uh, preliminary final, sorry, and hearing that chant. And that, yeah, I, I can't stand it. I mean, as a Collingwood fan, I can see why you'd love it. Um, but yeah, as an opposition fan, especially being at the MCG and they're just rolling you and that chant starts kicking in, it's it's a killer. I absolutely hate it. As bad as this is, but if we do get on top, it's probably going to come the opposite way. And, you know, the old Malbourne might come out. <laughs> are you going to stand up there? I hope not. Uh, no, I'll only join in if the other, the other D's fans are doing it. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it, but if it means, you know, knocking them off, I'll get involved. No. So I might have to head, uh, float around the MCG and if you guys get a lead and that starts kicking in, I'll just walk on in and start joining in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll bring a spare, spare Guernsey or, or a beanie or a scarf for you, mate, and you can throw that on for, for the night. Absolutely. All right, Quinn, well, uh, yeah, Love we it. won't take up any more of your time. Thanks so much for uh, for jumping on, mate. It was great to chat the uh, run home and um, make sure all our listeners there, make sure you go and check out the Pressure Point podcast with Marcus and Quinn. If you haven't already, great friends of the podcast. And yeah, loving to see you continue your good work, mate. Hey, Raj boys, Tim Simo, always a pleasure joining you guys. Uh, yeah, really appreciate you having me on. It's uh, different, not just talking about the Tigers all night. It's probably good for me, good for my mental health, just to talk about someone else for <laughs> once. So, no, nah, it's, fan- it's fantastic. Uh, always love joining you guys. So thank you again. No worries, mate. All right, take it easy. All right, Simo, that does it for another week, mate. What a weekend it's been. It's, uh, yeah, always nice to sort of finish off on Sunday night recapping the, yeah, weekend success in in this in this round. But, uh, no, it's, um, yeah, setting us up for a really, really exciting few last few weeks of footy and heading into finals. But I don't know, last week we spoke, I was nervous. I think Friday night made me feel a lot better. What did you think? I think it, yeah, it's probably a big reassurance, to be honest, because you know that our best footy is probably going to be right in front of us right now. And it has to be. And everyone's, I think, it looks like we've got a huge buy-in now. I mean, I suppose it's a long season, which you touched on in the last last segment there. It's just, I think you can't play all your tricks early. And I think, like what we did last year, we had the lull and looked like we had a pretty solid training block. And I think we've done the same again. Obviously, I mean, why would you change a program that wins a flag? So, Looks like we're coming with the same sort of approach. And, yeah, it just looks to me like, I mean, just a little minor tinkering. you got Gus going in the midfield. you got Jackson starting to ruck. you got Jaden Hunt coming in, back in with a bit of speed. You've got all these things happening. It's just, you know, just throwing the magnets around just to you know, get a different sort of look and a different bit of buzz. It's, it's um, yeah, it, it's obviously confused the hell out of Freo to start with. And let's hope that... You know, the other three teams that are in front of us before finals, it's, you know, it's going to be the same thing. We're going to play deets footy. We're going to play, you know, tough footy. It's not going to be easy. It's, you know, it's, we're going to be on the edge of our seat in all three of these games coming up. And, you know, as, as AFL fans, it's just going to be awesome to watch. I think, you know, obviously being putting the bias Melbourne hat on, it's, you know, one of those things where you want everything to go our way, but obviously there's, you know, the potential chance that things won't quite go away, but, 
you know, we're going to ride the ride the the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club, and yeah, let's uh, let's enjoy the ride, hey. Yeah, and most importantly, let's just beat the fucking pies on Friday night. That's that's the most important thing right at, <clears throat> right ahead of us, one week at a time. But we most owe importantly, them. we fucking owe them. <laughs> we so, owe these. We owe these pricks. We, we do. We do. So uh, yeah, hopefully we might. Yeah, we'll be there, and it'll be yeah, be a ripping game. Another Friday night game again in. Uh, in front of the uh, yeah the old faithful at the MCG on Friday night, but big thanks to Quinn from Pressure Point Podcast for jumping on and and joining us for the a special version of uh, of one week at a time covering the run home for yeah majority of the eight, which which was great to have him on and make sure if you haven't already please check out their fantastic work that they do on the Pressure Point Podcast. You can find them on YouTube and Spotify. We'll, we'll chuck in the links and stuff on our podcast. Uh, big reminder to everyone. You can find our podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can like, rate, and review us, please. It's uh, your feedback is ex- extremely helpful for us, and it makes this show, uh, yeah, improve, improve. So we want to keep doing that to make sure that we're, yeah, doing all the right things. But big thank you to our sponsors in Hop and Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. Big thanks to you, Simo. All right, enjoy the rest of your week, mate. It's uh, yeah, nice to finish off the weekend with a win, and yeah, before too long, it'll be Friday night and it'll be uh, D's footy time again. Absolutely, mate. And most importantly, I'm beating you to it this time. Go the D's. Go the D's.